0: In the year 1790, as Spanish workers were digging a new aqueduct under what is the Central Plaza in Mexico City, they accidentally unearthed a massive and terrifying stone deity. or the serpent skirt, as she came to be known in English, looming over nine feet tall, over four feet wide, and weighing in over two tons, was an awe-inspiring Mother Earth goddess.
1: She's a massive block of stone, one piece of stone.
0: Here's Susan Vogel.
1: She's standing tall. She's now in the Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City. The base of her, her feet, are also, the bottom of her feet are carved. So this is telling us she's not meant to just be an object standing there. She's a full being, the bottoms of her feet. Even if no one's going to see them, it's very important to have those represent her as well.
0: The conquering Spanish apparently regarded the statue as a hideously deformed monster. But the subjugated indigenous peoples had a different reaction.
1: What was observed were that while the Spanish were horrified by her, the indigenous people began bringing her offerings.
0: The Mexican Indians began visiting the goddess with candles and adorning her with flowers.
1: So if she, if we described her, she's covered, she's got, her head is made of two serpents, heads coming together. Her arms have, are along her side with a talons coming out. Her, she has a necklace that's made of human hearts and hands her skirt is made of serpents. So her name is actually Snake Skirt.
0: This is Nuevas Voces, New Voices. I'm Ross Chambliss, and this is part three of our podcast that examines the intersection of Mexican art, history, and culture. In this episode, we're talking about what the discovery of this ancient Aztec artifact tells us about feminism in ancient Mexico. And you should take a look at Quotluque if you haven't already. She is really terrifying. The Spanish rulers were evidently not excited about this frightening new idol, and even less so about the indigenous people's affinity for her.
1: She was so frightening that she was reburied. (laughs) I think she was reburied like two or three times before people could actually just tolerate her incredible...
0: Cuatluque, it was discovered later, was part of a set of stone idols representing the ancient Aztec goddess. She was discovered in what was the most sacred spot in the center of the Aztec world. So, who was she?
2: Cuatluque is the Aztec goddess who gave birth to the moon, the stars, and Huitzilopochtli, which is the god of the sun and the war is the main, the most important God, basically the creator of the
1: universe. <clears throat> and it's a female.
0: Quatlíque symbolizes power of nature and of motherhood.
1: Well, I remember when I first looked at her, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just scary. It's just really scary. But the more I thought about her, I thought, so is childbirth. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: And then I thought, in my job, as a lawyer i come across some you know pretty awful things and i was reading about someone molesting kids in a park in a park bathroom i thought you know what i want her there <laughs> yeah. if if there's anyone who's going to protect our kids it's it's quote she's and i started thinking about her and i thought she's awesome she's powerful and I started talking to my friends from Mexico and saying, what do you think about her? And there, she's an incredible diosa. She's just, she is so awesome and so powerful. And, and the thing about, you know, a lot of historians are males. And so they talk about these images as, you know, frightening. And, but they also talk about her as so mysterious because they consider women mysterious. Y'all, y'all <laughs> consider women mysterious. Can't figure them out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And um, but but really, being a mom, you have to be pretty tough. And you know, if someone messes with our kids, oh, yeah. watch out because all those fangs are going to come out. That serpent head, um, <laughs> every every power we have, earthly power, we're mm-hmm. going to use to protect our kids. And look at what's going on um, around the world in terms of natural disasters. You know, the earth, the earth, the mother is powerful we can't harness her we can't prevent these earthquakes and floods and um, tornadoes and natural disasters and so she's mother earth she is has so much power and she's frightening as well
0: for another take on Coatlique, Luis says she represents Mother Earth. Yeah, so I
3: pronounce her name a little different. I pronounce it Coatlique, and that's just because the version of uh, the rite of Nahuatl that I learned is from Veracruz, so we say it a little different. Um, she's she's incredible. Um, reason being is that the feathered serpents ties back again to Quetzalcoatl, right? And so when you have that cultural understanding, you know that those feathered serpents are, are very important, but also comes with knowledge, wisdom, understanding. And so who better than a mother to, to understand you, right? Coatlica um, also has evolved into who we now call Tonansi, which is what for our mother, right? And so sometimes even as Chicanos, um, we may not know that that's the origin, but it does come from that. And so even in modern day, uh, some of us will still identify uh, Mother Earth as Tonansi, which does stem from Coatlica.
0: And one more thing to consider before we move on
1: she was a mother who gave birth to the god of the sun through a virgin birth so this is going to be something that is important when we talk about how the spanish converted the spanish catholics converted Mm -hmm. the indigenous peoples
0: the 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 parallels between the virgin mary and tonanti so here's where those efforts to keep kotlake buried connects to a larger discussion about the hiding of mexico's indigenous past I wanted to know, how do we know all of this? How do we know what Coatlicue represented to the ancient peoples? Why was she such a threat to the conquering Europeans and their ideas? Is that is maybe translated uh, texts or?
3: As or, far as that, what is this? How how do we know that the people believe this? The, that,
0: that that story about a yeah. virgin birth.
3: Well, the codices, right? The one way I explain it to a lot of students that I work with is like memes, right? Uh, we see a meme and we know what it means, because we have the, the key, right? So same thing to these people, they know what their codices meant. Also when the Spanish first arrived, uh, they started translating or, or notating Nahuatl with the Latin alphabet. And so we also have records from, from indigenous people kind of explaining their culture, what things meant, practices and stuff like that. And so we have a pretty good idea of, of what they actually thought.
1: The The history of writing in Mesoamerica is fascinating. And so it's an it's a huge area of scholarship. We they believe right now there's controversy, but that the Olmecs had the first system of writing. There's a lot of controversy in this area, and uh, the different cultures had different ways of writing. Teotihuacanos apparently didn't have a system. The Mayans did, and it's fascinating to research and to even watch videos on YouTube about how we have come to understand the writings of these peoples. By the time the Spanish came, the Aztecs had, had these codices, which were writing, they wrote their history on different types of bark or paper. And so the, when the Spanish came, they, they, there's actually, there's murals showing that they burned them they burned these because they wanted to destroy their history. There are only 4 that remained. There are only 4 originals that were done pr- prior to the Spanish um, arrival in Mes- in in what is now Mexico. And but th- the Spanish made the indigenous people's recreate them. And mm-hmm. so we take those with a grain of salt. Yeah.
0: Wow, that I mean that's really important because how else would we know what they believed uh, what, you know, their their own story from their own perspective, if we didn't, if they weren't documenting it,
3: right? Right. Well, one other unique aspect about these cultures is the idea of oral histories, right, which is something that's still practiced. And so, uh, so like that professor that's a, that's a Nawa. a lot of his history hasn't been written down, right? A lot of it is Passed on from generation to generation, and a lot of his research is actually interviewing the, the Los Grandes, as I say, the older generation, uh, doing it in a way that they would actually pass on this information. So that's another thing as well.
1: Huh.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Um, and, and just a few other things about trying to understand Mesoamerican uh, cultures is that, you know, my understanding is they, they had their own calendar system, right? Yeah. Uh, they had um, various other sort of technologies. They were really good at producing food, sounds like. So they Correct. were well-fed. They weren't starving. They were self-sustaining. Um, other other um, aspects of this civilization that are important that you think are important yeah. to mention? Um,
3: I know for me the aspect of nobility. I know a lot of times uh, we look at these groups and we assume that they're like tribes. When in reality, they're more like kingdoms. They each had their kings and queens. They had their systems of hierarchy. Uh, Different people within the community, within the hierarchy had their assignments, if you will. Uh, there was trade, there was tribute or tax. I mean, these were very, very complex societies.
2: For me, uh, what is very relevant in these cultures is that um, as a woman um, is that woman had a major position in the society. Starting from the point of the main god is a, it's a it's a goddess, it's a woman. The position of the woman as the one who will be in charge of harvesting and in in different positions uh, in in their societies play a very important role, and to me that is very relevant in comparison to when the conquistadores arrived and pretty much defeated that image of the other than the religious image of uh, Virgin Mary how women really didn't have much of a place in the history after that Mm -hmm. happened. The more I study, the more I realize that history has been, in many ways, has been written by men. There is not a lot of figures during the colonialism era of Mexico other than when the ancient cultures really um, established the position of a woman as a as a, as a powerful figure.
0: Mm-hmm. Luque is now in the National Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City, along with other monuments that depict similar iconography. You can see an image of her on our website and the home for this podcast, Artis Mex Ut. Org. Thanks to Luis Lopez for his Chicano perspective. Thanks to Fanny Blauer for her Mexicana perspective. And thanks to Susan Vogel for her enlightened, former American expat perspective. And as for me, I'm Ross Chambliss, and I'm just hearing and learning about all of this for the first time as we go. Music you heard in this episode comes from Gypsy Novelos, Ricardo Lozano, and Jorge Ramos. This podcast is made possible from a grant by the Utah Humanities. Thanks to KCPW for the studio space. This is Nueva Sforces.